0: I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days, guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, we're talking with Imran Hassan. He is the CEO
1: of uh, Think Modular. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Omar, for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here with your uh, listenership. So we met at
0: uh, a meeting where you were talking about uh, Crime Stoppers. Correct. And uh, it intrigued me that why would we need uh, a way for citizens to report an issue or a crime that doesn't involve calling
1: 911? So, Omar, um, you know, what Crime Stoppers brings to the community is an anonymous um, way of connecting uh, what the public sees or hears that is suspicious or illegal in their, in their neighborhoods and being able to report that uh, anonymously to the authorities without having to report who they are and provide uh, details about themselves. That in itself provides a, an additional level of resilience and confidence uh, in, the, in, in that relationship between the public law enforcement agencies in partnership with, uh, with, uh, with the media. As we started doing this interview, I was thinking back to something
0: would have happened in the 1970s. It was in New York City, uh, many high-rises, and a woman was being raped in an alley. And hundreds of people heard what was going on, and nobody picked up the phone to call. And I think they did a lot of uh, research studies around that. And part of that was... That's the case somebody else is going to do it. So sometimes, you know, I didn't, don't need to step up. And then the second part was people just didn't want to get involved. What if that person finds out I reported on them? So talk to me about that, uh, that human drive to stay safe and how that interacts with the need for Crime Stoppers.
1: Well, Omar, I think um, the first element uh, that we can uh, touch on is uh, fear. And I think the fear of repercussion, uh, which you touched on earlier, um, and, and not only the repercussion from, you know, what if uh, the bad people find out I'm the one who ratted on them, but what about, depending on the experience of the individual who's reporting the crime and the country they come from, and this is a reality, uh, many uh, individuals from ethnic uh, communities, whether it be from Africa or Asia or other parts of the world, have had a less than positive interaction with law enforcement agencies. So they're uh, coming to Canada or the United States or North America, uh, carry with them that stigma of, well, you know, police are not to be trusted. Therefore, when there's any kind of suspicious or legal activities, uh, such as the one you described, uh, that occur, uh, they're reluctant to report it because they feel there may be repercussions uh, by making the report to the police. That's why Crime Stoppers allows that Intermediary, where you can report the activity or the crime anonymously, without having to provide your uh, personal contact information. Um, in fact, Crime Stoppers goes above and beyond. Should you uh, inadvertently mention that you are the next door neighbor, and in, in the situation where the crime occurred we as Crime Stoppers remove that information from the report to keep, your anonymity. To keep that anonymity and then be able to trans, uh, transcribe that information over to the appropriate law uh, enforcement uh, authorities. Imran,
0: one of the things you mentioned was, you know, in, in many parts of the world, police forces are corrupt. And that lends to people not trusting the police in their home country, whatever country that happens to be. And they come to Canada or the U.S. or the West and all of a sudden they're uh, reticent to actually interact with the police. But also in our communities here, uh, I'm visiting Canada, we're in uh, Mississauga, Ontario today from Baltimore. There's uh, many people in Baltimore that are thankful for the police. There's also communities where the police are the enemy and that must happen in Canada as well and the people that need help most are those communities that have violence, that have drugs, And it kind of puts them in a double bind, that they're trapped in a place and they can't reach out to the police. So how do you convey the message that it's A, safe to talk to Crime Stoppers? but more importantly, how do you get people to actually break that old habit of not wanting to report
1: uh, to actually stepping up and actually doing it? Well, you've um, brought forward um, a lot of interesting points, uh, Omer. I'm going to say that In countries around the world where law enforcement um, personnel uh, are not compensated adequately, then corruption tends to occur. But in North America, uh, we have respected our law enforcement agencies and their personnel we adequately compensate them for what they do and we have an opportunity to build that bridge of respect and understanding and and build a friendship and and from my personal experience being in Canada uh, for over four decades uh, I have always experienced um, a positive interaction with police and it's because of the attitude I bring to the conversation mm-hmm. and I would encourage others to have that same optimism and uh, and keep an open mind and and understand that you know police are your friends they're not there to harm us they're there to protect and serve the community and uphold the law so if there's something that's happening intentionally or inadvertently they are required to step in and help us find that path to the right path. And I think that's sometimes uh, it, could be, it could be a struggle. It could be a struggle for individuals to be corrected or to be shown you know, uh, a path that is less uh, than the path that they had chosen.
0: What's interesting is in the last uh, 20, 30 years, they've been looking at uh, mirror neurons that uh, are hot-wired into who we are as human beings. And the whole thing, as it suggests, is very much mirroring people around us. And I think for us as babies, how we learn is very much mimicking our parents. I think Queen Elizabeth had, uh, was interviewed a long time ago where she was asking, how did you learn to be queen? And she said, I learned like a monkey. I saw what my parents did and I, and I copied. And the reason I bring that up is this, is that we have mirror neurons. If you walk down a street and you smile at someone, even though they think you're a nut, they smile back because we're just hotwired to do that. And why I bring that up is this, is you had mentioned your interactions with the police, you brought a certain attitude to those interactions. So if you're nervous or suspicious of police officers uh, and you bring that vibe to them, they've got mirror neurons and they start picking up that vibe and they start reacting to that vibe, even though you may have legitimate reasons for having it, if they misinterpret it, it's going to send that interaction down a certain path. And so really having... That optimistic, grounded, rational view of this is how I want to interact with the person sets the tone for the entire conversation. But the question, I guess, that uh, for you and I is how do we get people to have that positive connection with the government, with the police? Because certainly in Canada and all the Western countries is there corruption in police forces? Absolutely. Is it uh, minimal? For sure whereas it's more prevalent in in third world countries. So how do we get people to kind of change that mindset around police, that they're here to help us, to serve us, and together as a community, we make this a safer place. It's okay putting it on a sign, but how do you get it imprinted
1: in people's psyche? Well, Omar, I think um, you you, you mentioned, you know, uh, learning from your environment, and I was always brought up, um, you know, uh, as a young person to respect my elders. Um, you know, and, and that, you know, has transformed itself into how we interact with, you know, the public and even strangers. And a police officer may not immediately be your friend, but how you interact with that individual will determine the type of relationship you'll have going forward. And, you know, from the time you wake up in the morning, if you're grateful that, you know, you're able to wake up and take a deep breath and, um, and, and stand on the right side of the earth uh, to, you know, to your um, interaction going out into the public, whether it's, you know, uh, stopping at a red light or, uh, or being pulled over because, you know, uh, there was something uh, um, you know, that, that you may have done inadvertently or intentionally uh, that caused the, the, you know, the police interaction. Now it's how do you deal with that interaction positively? You could be defense, defensive or you could be uh, welcoming to listen, officer, uh, I I hope you're having a great day. I was. um, And I just wanted to know, was there something here that caught your attention that, you know, I may have inadvertently done? And if you approach the conversation that way, you know, police are humans too. Uh, You know, beneath that badge and beneath that uniform, they're just like you and me, Umar. And uh, they have families and they make mistakes. And like all of us, they want what's Best for the community. You know, they want a safer and a stronger uh, community together. And again, they can't do everything themselves, so they're going to rely on, you know, communication and honesty and to be able to just be upfront about I made a mistake and let's move forward together. What's the right path?
0: This is a little known secret, but I've gotten off from many, many speeding tickets just with the attitude in dealing with the police officer. It's like, hey, So my sister-in-law borrowed my car, and she was going in Baltimore in the far left lane, ready to make a a left turn, but you could also go straight, which was legal. And there's a car there with the trunk lit up, and she does that, and it turns out to be a police officer that gives her a ticket. The very next day, same car, same intersection, same mistake, probably a different cop, but who knows, and I get pulled over. And because I was, like, uh, you know, quite friendly... And he said, "Be more careful next time." So she got a ticket; I did not. And uh, so it was like, she's blonde, here, blue-eyed, beautiful. It's like, ha! I found the only gay cop in Baltimore.
1: <laughs> what the what the viewers or the listeners don't know, Omar, is that you have a great smile. <laughs>
0: so that's one equation we've been talking about, Crime Stoppers. One of the challenges we have with police is that they see the ugliest side of humanity on a daily basis. It's a non-stop onslaught. So it's only natural to uh, build up defenses, and some of the darkest sense of humor that I've heard are police officers, because that's one of the ways you cope with this. But in order to make this a better community, we also need our police to be more present and connected and understanding. So does Crime Stoppers have a bridge on the other side, or is there another organization that's trying to get police to be actually more accepting of community policing?
1: Well, Crime Stoppers is an organization for, uh, you know, the the, the general knowledge of the public, which is not an extension of the police. We are a community-led organization, um, you know, that, uh, including myself as the chair for Crime Stoppers, is a volunteer. We're not compensated for what we do. And we're community-minded people. And uh, we are a very diverse group of people from different ethnic uh, uh, backgrounds and, and, and faith uh, groups and, uh, and, and gender, uh, representing different uh, gender uh, groups. And oftentimes, I've had conversations with our friends at uh, Pure Regional Police, I'm going to go one step further, they're our partners, they're, they're more than our friends. Um, and we've had the conversation about there's going to be instances where Peel Regional Police will lead a conversation and Peel Crime Stoppers will walk alongside them. There'll be other instances where Peel Crime Stoppers leads a co- uh, initiative or a conversation and Peel Regional Police walks alongside us. So, yes, the answer, the long answer to your question is, yes, Peel Crime Stoppers provides that conduit of community connectivity between the law enforcement agency and the public Again, in partnership with our media um, and, and, and being able to create uh, activities, initiatives, events, whether it's a fundraiser like we've done in the past uh, in the form of a car wash and a barbecue or whether it was a hot sauce challenge we did uh, with our first responders or, um, you know, we're, we're going to be having a Canada Day barbecue coming up in, uh, in, in 2022. And these are opportunities for the public to interact with our first responders community, including our our, our law enforcement agencies, and uh, and it really does help to build those bridges of respect and understanding. So,
0: outside of your work with uh, Crime Stoppers, uh, what else are you doing to make uh, the world a better place?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, we all have a responsibility to make the place that we live. The place that we work and and the place that uh, you know we raise a family in uh, a, a better place and and how you can do that um, and and an example of you know myself I I volunteer on the board of uh, uh, Crime Stoppers I also volunteer on the board of the food bank and uh, and I know the importance of food insecurity and the uh, continued rise of dependency on food banks um, you know especially through this. Um, this COVID-19 emergency, Omar. Uh, And it's not just locally here in Peel or in Ontario or in Canada. It's across North America and around the world. And, um, you know, what we can do is, uh, is help give a hand up to the community in need. And how we can do that is by supporting our local food banks. I'm uh, on the board of directors for Eden Food for Change. Uh, but uh, like Eden Food for Change, there's other food banks within Mississauga, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. I would encourage your listeners, uh, if they can, to support the local food bank by either dropping off some uh, some food that uh, is non-perishable, that can be, uh, you know, uh, forwarded to the uh to the members in the community who need it most, or to make a small donation, Um, because food banks have the capability and uh, the capacity to be able to buy food um, much more uh, in abundance than what you and I can do when we go to a grocery store. And and remember, uh, the community need can't survive only on non-perishable food items. They also need fresh fruit. They need vegetables. They need fruits. They need meat. They need cheese. They need milk and other products like that. And food banks can buy that if you make a donation and then they can serve those members in their community who are most in need. I am 61 years old and there's not been one day in my life
0: where I did not have enough food. Not even the thought of I don't have enough food. So it's, it almost disconnects you from the need that food banks exist. Like, it's a thought. It's an, it's an idea. And I think uh, it's, dear listener, it's your job to go to a food bank and be there when food is served. In, uh, in Baltimore, they have this uh, organization called Our Daily Bread. And they reach out to churches and they have a uh, 100 casserole pans and they give it to many, many churches and they make one kind of casserole So there's a hundred dishes of that and they put it in their freezer and every meal, they get the hundred cans out and they have salad and other things and homeless people come. And so I got a chance to actually go there and sit down and eat with the people and see how essential that was. You don't know until you walk, not necessarily in the other person's shoe, but be close by and you hear their stories. And I'm going to share one horrific statistic with you. In the U.S., if you see a homeless person with an empty cup with no money in it and you reach in your wallet and you put a $10 bill in that cup, that human being for that moment is richer than 50% of all Americans. Because there are people that have houses and homes, but their, uh, their net worth is negative. That $10 in your cup is enough to make you richer than 50% of the public. Uh, we're all blessed. Go out there help your community, and the best gift you can ever give is of your time and your
1: money because you get that gift back in just the feelings of being useful. And if I can add to um, what you've said, and I echo everything that you've, uh, you've mentioned, Omar, there's one thing that we can give in abundance that will never make us more uh, or, or make us less rich, um, and that is a smile. And when you smile at someone, it's contagious in a, in a good way. They will smile back. And when you smile at someone, think about, the mental wellness that that person uh, is going to experience, the uplifting spirit in that person to perhaps survive one more day. And that's simply because of your smile. A friend
0: of mine had told me that uh, he never gives money to homeless people unless he gets their name, gets their story, because that human contact, because most of the human contact that people on the street have is negative, And he's teaching his kids this is a human being, and we get to hear their story, and we get to connect with them as a human being, is that uh, we shouldn't lose sight of that. It's human to human, doesn't matter who you are. Uh, Prime Minister of Canada or someone on the street, uh, we need that connection, we need that kindness. Imran, before we part company, is there one word of wisdom you would give our listeners, maybe a mind hack that would make them more productive or happier, or just more, uh, more joyful in this world?
1: Well, when it comes to food insecurity and, 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 and you know, serving our uh, community need, I, I, I think of the adage, uh, you know, when you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, you'll feed him for a lifetime. So um, I encourage, you know, uh, your listenership to, to not only help give a hand up to that community need, but to show them how they can support themselves. Imran, uh, thank you so much for spending time with me today.
0: Learned a lot and uh, can't wait to lend assistance to our people in Mississauga, Brampton, the Peel region. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you for having you, Omar, and uh, safe journeys to you. I know that uh, you're a bit of a, uh, uh, a travel bug and that uh, you'll be uh, moving around the, uh, the globe and look forward to uh, reconnecting with you when you're back.